Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our special Labor Day edition of the Talk-ish Show, a show where we talk about a little bit of anything and everything. I'm your host, John Medina. And you know I'm Aaron Williams Conley, and this is the Talk-ish Show. Okay, so before we get started, I do want to make a correction on the previous podcast. When I was talking about Doctor Who, I said that it aired on Sunday nights. That is incorrect. It actually airs on Saturday nights, so I just wanted to make sure that I um, told you about that because it was an error. Uh, on this episode of the Talk Is Show, peeing in the ocean, Decepticons among us, arrested for gaming, food fight, sci-fi museum, Ram time, another vampire movie, Shake and T Swift, <laughs> Samsung for charity. Kill Switch Cali. Okay, so th- this first story is really kind of just interesting. According to the American Chemical Society, peeing in the ocean will not hurt marine life. I when- mean, pers- <laughs> I, I mean, I don't get why there was like ever a question about that. I mean, the world is what seventy-five percent water. Yeah, and pee and is so, like 95% water. And beyond that, they swim in their own pee and feces all day, every day anyway. Like, So why we needed to waste money, time, and the seconds of our life to read that story to find out that peeing in the ocean does not hurt the marine life is beyond me. The way I look at it is like, Animals, you know, they have feces and they do their business in the water as well. So why would human pee ever have it? I don't, I don't get it. Like I was kind of confused. I'm right. just glad this is what we're finding with our tax dollars. That's what's up. Well, I mean, people can drink their own pee three times before it becomes lethal. So why would it be lethal to a fish? I, I just, I don't understand. I don't know, but to cut costs, I'm putting my goldfish in a bo- in my toilet now. <laughs> no, you're gonna flush it. Nah, bro. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> we don't f- we don't f- we don't flush it in my house. I understand. Unless it's brown, the, then you gotta let it go down. The the economy's not in the best position right now. <laughs> yay, yay for lower middle class. <laughs> okay, so our next story is actually a little more interesting than that one. Um. So there was a man in a town called Braintree, Massachusetts, and he painted his Maserati to look like Barricade from Transformers, which is awesome if I had a Maserati and I could afford to get it painted, which I guess if I have a Maserati, I can probably afford to get it painted. I'd paint it to look like a Transformer. Um, I mean, basically. It, it, was, it was painted to exact detail to the replica of him from the first movie, so it had a police-style shield on the door, and then it had the phrase Decepticons Punish and Enslave on it. Um, he, he got pulled over for impersonating a police officer. Why? I I mean, there's a shield on it. It does resemble the police shield, but what police car says Decepticons on I that You know, that's a get, dead giveaway that, that he was not... A police officer. They didn't arrest him though. Um, he's just summoned to court. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually like go through and press charges on him for that. Uh, um, my my opinion is, if I have a Maserati, if I can afford to have a Maserati, I'm going to paint my Maserati whatever color I want to paint my Maserati. If I want if I if I want my Maserati to look like the Batmobile, I'm gonna do that to my Maserati. Like it's it's one of those things like I can understand like because the picture if you look at the pictures of it, it it looks like when I looked at it, I was like okay it's a Maserati, okay it looks like the Decepticon, but like it didn't scream police. Like when I saw it, I didn't like I didn't immediately like oh wow that really looks like a cop car. Like there I don't even think there's any lights on it. No. Um, yeah. No. I mean, if I look at a Crown Victoria, I kind of think that it might be a cop. And that's the thing is that <laughs> I see I see so many because you know cops use the new or the Malibus or no the Impalas I mean the Impalas, um, 
And basically, if I see like an all white Impala with like tinted windows, like I immediately and it like I immediately, but it's all stock. I immediately just think like that's an undercover cop. Like, so you know, it's one of those things like they're gonna take him to court. His lawyer is gonna be like, you know, this is silly, which is what he actually said in the article. He said, you know, um, it's really silly that they're summoning him to court because he chose to paint his Maserati white and black and just put some decals on it. But I mean, I just think it's going to be, he's going to go to court. They're going to waste our time. The judge is probably going to throw it out. He's not going to get anything. And it's just going to be an inconvenience. Um, but I mean, you know, I guess the cop really didn't have anything to do. I wouldn't have summoned him to court for it. Our tax dollars at work, everybody. I mean, I would have just pulled him over and been like, dude, that's dope. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I'd have been like high five and I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like I wouldn't even have cared. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's one like, of those things. Like, who did that? Who did that paint job? Because, you know, I wouldn't mind going and getting my car done like that. I mean, you know, the neon can't really, uh, doesn't really need a paint job like that, but it would be it would be fun. <laughs> I think you should paint the neon like a rocket ship because it sounds like one. It does, yeah. Got a jet going on. Star Neon's Scream, awesome. maybe. Yeah, make it look like some... <laughs> yeah, but it has to be fast to be Star Scream. Yeah, that's true. And Neon struggles at 25. Okay, so... Can I, can I, hold on, before, can I pour some, can I pour a little water out for the Neon? Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's on its last legs. I'm pouring out for the homies. I'm pouring out, I poured out a little bit of water for the Neon because it's on its last legs. R.I.P. <laughs> right. Um, so imagine that, you know, you're at the, at the house just playing some video games, you know, good, good little time, right? And all of a sudden, a SWAT team busts in tackles you on the ground, arrests you, says if you're going to do anything, they'll shoot you. That is exactly what happened to a guy named Jordan Matthewson. Yeah, Matthewson? Yeah. Um, he was he was live streaming, actually, and he was playing Counter-Strike with uh, some of his buddies, and they were playing against another team. And uh, apparently this is something that, that people have started to do when they're playing people against games, and it's called swatting. And what it is, is it's when the opposing team or somebody from the opposing team forces an armed police response by calling in a false report on rival gamers. And apparently, um, his Twitter name is ScrewPain, uh, has claimed responsibility for it, and he called and said that there was a hostage situation. And so the SWAT team went in there and busted in now they haven't arrested they arrested jordan matthewson originally but they let him go when they realized that it wasn't a hostage situation and it's pending further investigation they haven't made an arrest on whoever the person is that actually called in the claim but i mean that's just i'm all down for some for some pranks and some jokes and stuff but i i don't know that that's getting a little too serious one that can be really dangerous. Hostage situations are never good. Two, I mean, all the time and the effort that it takes for the SWAT team to get ready to get everything together and to go to this place, and it's not even real. And it could be taking away where from a situation where those SWAT people are actually needed, you know? And see, now, John, you know I am a big uh, Netflix fan, uh, registered trademark. Um and that is like literally, I don't even watch TV anymore. Like we have TV and I don't even watch. I just watch Netflix. And um, I've actually, ne- I've never heard about it happen in real life, but I actually saw it like on an episode of Netflix when I was watching CSI Miami. And it wasn't a gamer necessarily, but it was called swatting, you know, where somebody phoned in a fake SWAT call and they came, busted down the house and actually I got shot. But once again, this is a TV show, so not real life, but uh, I personally think that it's it's really kind of taking advantage of you know, because SWAT is kind of one of those special things. I mean, it's not, you know, you don't just call SWAT, just call SWAT, you know what I mean? And I feel like for someone to like play with it like that and just be like, you know, hey, there's a hot situation going on on a rival gamer, it just kind of speaks to how back in the day my mom, you wouldn't let me buy us Grand Theft Auto San Andreas because she thought it was too violent. Like it's kind of like it kind of just because people play games like Counter Strike and um and Call of Duty and Battlefield and kind of get a little too into it to the point now 
like they're taking out the competition by calling SWAT on them. Like that's not okay. Like <laughs> right, and it's just it's mind blowing to me. Really, I I mean, no matter how mad I'm frustrated I'm getting at a game or whatever, I'm gonna rage quit before I'm gonna actually legitimately call the police and try to get a SWAT team to go over and take out whoever I'm playing. And it was it I. <sighs> The situation was bad, but I think that him being on live stream might actually have been good because people can see how serious it actually gets. They have the audio from it. They heard them bust in. They heard what the police said to him. They heard what he said, and and he was an innocent guy, and they didn't think he was innocent because they got the call, and they were treating it like a hostage situation, and and I, I think that it's good that it has been put out there. Not I don't think it's good that it happened, but I think that it's good that, that it's been publicized now and and people are talking about it and hopefully it will put a stop to it unfortunately the way the world works it'll probably increase the chances of it happening because somebody will get the idea oh yeah i should do that sometime Um, but you know we we can try to have hope in in humanity and and hopefully uh we won't hear much more about these swatting incidents I mean, once again, it's just another way for kids to deal with boredom. Um, unfortunately, which probably one of the truest statements I've ever heard about this generation of kids, not that we're that old, that we're like not in part of this generation, but um, the generation of younger kids is, you know, it's they, they know everything but have experienced nothing. Yeah. And so they don't come into adulthood necessarily or, or you know, late adolescence with the same type of mindset we do and the reason why is because you know everything's at their finger fingertips so i mean you know you can pull out your phone and google search things i mean i'm not gonna say i don't do it i mean i pull out my phone daily to google search something i really want to know you know but you you just don't get any genuine experiences to learn from these days right uh, they don't they they don't have to go to the library and, and get the encyclopedia out and try to figure mm-hmm. out what they're looking for uh the internet, I mean, it, it's done a lot of great things, but it, you know, Facebook, social media, for example, it's great. It lets everybody communicate. I can talk to people halfway across the world that I never would have talked to before, but at the same time, a lot of experts say that it reduces face-to-face conversation. People are uncomfortable talking to each other face-to-face when they would rather just go home and Facebook chat, you know. Um, okay, so our next story is actually really, really, really cool. Um, it's called the Tomatia Battle, and it's in Banal, Spain. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, basically, probably not. Probably not. You're right. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically what it's about is it's a food fight with tomatoes, and the entire town does it they actually have made it to where tourists can pay 10 euros which is 13 dollars um hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on 10 euros is equal to 13 dollars yeah the euro is worth more than we have fell off wow uh but they they can use the or they can pay the money and then they can go and start the tomato food fight in the town uh, this year that was the second year that they, they allowed people to pay for it and it was their original reason for allowing people to pay for it and come in as tourists was to help pay off some of the debts that the town had which is a great idea i, I think that's really good um it was inspired by a local food fight that was done by children in 1945. Now, that was probably a really small thing. Now, this last food fight had 22,000 participants, and they used 125 tons of ripe tomatoes. Okay. First off, I don't like tomatoes. So, like, any vegetarian or somebody who's going to say that's a waste of food, like, I don't even care about that. Um, <laughs> second off... That is probably like the best water balloon fight in the world. <laughs> like, I mean, essentially, that's what it is. Um, I, I think it's a great thing. I mean, it's it's really kind of it's like smart of the town to kind of think outside the box and to kind of use like something a part of their history to be able to raise money in order to pay off their debts. So it's kind of like you know they're basically fueling the economy by doing it. Because um, to be honest with you. If you like 
does this not sound like something you'd want to do? I mean, it would be awesome. And uh, if you, you get online, you can look at up some of the pictures from it. And it looked like a lot of fun. The whole town was doing it. Everybody was having a good time. I think it would be a lot of fun. Now, I mean, it is technically a waste of food or whatever, but I don't like tomatoes that much either, so I'm not. Yeah, so, I, I, it's not killing me. But at the same time, there are a lot of countries and people that that don't have enough food to survive, and and so there's always that part. But and and the thing is, is that you know, for all those people who are saying it's a waste of food, and for people who might feel some type of way about the battle or whatever, um, I mean, bring a bowl. Get some tomato soup, man. That's, you know, that's br- what bring I'm a saying. hot dog. Bring a hot dog. You yeah. know, what I mean? like let's like if you think it's a waste, don't let it all be a waste. Bring some food. Bring some pasta. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Throw some, some fresh... noodles in it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Put like, some basil just... on there. You good? You can cook up, man. You can cook up yeah. at the festival. Like just you know, you can help start a, a little girl. campfire. Grab a bucket and just start shoveling some in and cook it, man. Do what you got to do. The homeless people, if there are any in that town, are probably really excited. They got some food. So, I mean, there's a bright side there, you know. Okay, so this next one is actually – I'm super excited about this um, because it is a museum of science fiction. That's awesome. They're getting ready to build a museum of science fiction in Washington, D.C. I am not a sci-fi guy. Uh, I'm the sci-fi guy for sure. You are Uh, a sci-fi guy. I am a sports guy. It's going to feature works of science fiction in literature, TV, film, music, video games, and art uh, with themes of creators, vehicles, time travel concepts, aliens, computers, robots, and miscellaneous technology. That is awesome. I pass out if you walk in there. Definitely want to go in there. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's gonna have a bunch of stuff from our childhood before we were born. It's gonna have some more current stuff, and I'll be really excited to see what they put in it and how they decide to do it. Of course, you know, there'll be an entire section for Star Trek, probably an entire section for Star Wars, and you know, maybe Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, things like that. It'll be really interesting to see. They have, I think the most interesting thing to see is going to be when the Star Wars uh, guys walk past the Star Trek guys and like mean mug them. I think that's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something that uh, people always always make a lot of fun of and blow out of proportion. Um, I, I have I have a quick mature plug here. Um, for those of you who don't understand um, on what level this is going to be, it's got, like if you're really a science fiction guy, like I know John is, like if you're seriously like have been a science fiction guy and, you know, not necessarily the casual fan like me who's seen some Star Treks and some Star Wars or whatever. You know, I feel like it's going to be like your first trip to the gentleman's establishment. I feel like that's just <laughs> on the level of awesomeness. I'm excited to see it personally, and I'm not really a science fiction guy, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it'll be awesome. They're actually hosting a competition for uh, exhibit design, which is cool. So, like, if you have an idea for maybe, you know, part of the Star Trek exhibit or some other exhibit, uh, you can you can submit your your designs and everything, and you can actually win a prize. The prize isn't huge; it's a thousand bucks. But I mean, hey, that's a thousand dollars. You know, that's a thousand dollars I didn't have in the bank account that I could have in the bank account. You know, um, and. I think that's cool. They're trying to kind of get people excited about it, get some hype around it so that, you know, when they do open it, people go and see it. And if I ever, you you know, the next time I I get around to going to Washington, D.C., I definitely stop by and and have a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) I think it'll I think it'll be exciting and it'll be cool to see what they decide to do with it and and things like that. Um, This next one is definitely going to be more of of you excited than me um i'm not really a sports guy i I follow it and a lot of my buddies are sports guys but personally i i'm not speaking of sports guys i have a shameless plug here um look out for the uh halftime with aaron and a wills and sky uh podcast coming soon to the talk a show channel that's right Um, that's right it's definitely um it's gonna be me and um another member of our staff uh my boy sky we're gonna uh, be doing a sports podcast. We're pretty, uh, pretty much gonna touch real heavily into football since the season is starting up. Um, but we are definitely gonna hit basketball. Uh, we may not hit as deep into other sports. Uh, probably gonna do some baseball touches just because of our location, you know, uh, go cards. Um, and we're, but aside from that, 
uh, that will be coming soon, so be on the lookout for that. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, um, we our show is based in Missouri, and the St. Louis Rams were the first team to ever draft an openly gay player, and his name was Michael Sam, and he actually came out of the University of Missouri. Go Tigers. Um, Welcome to the zoo. He went you know he played preseason and everything and he actually just got dropped by the rams he was beat out by ethan westbrook for the defensive line uh michael sam was seventh round draft um and and in 2013 he won the co-defensive play of the year award with and he had 10 and a half sacks and 18 tackles um so he was a good player and he just didn't make the cut uh, what this means for him, I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to kind of let Aaron touch on that a little more. Um, so how do you feel about this, Aaron? What do you, what do you think it's going to turn into? What do you think the situation is going to end up being? All right. Um, basically, I'm going to get real for a second here. Now, I don't watch college. Fo- I watch college football, but I don't like I know NFL football. I'm a very big NFL guy. I'm my favorite sport is personally basketball, but I'm a very big NFL guy. Um, I'm a Broncos fan, um, and so I, you know, I do fantasy football. You know, I, I always listen to podcast NFL podcasts, and I always try and I'm avid on ESPN. Um, I'm 100% into professional football, but I don't really pay too much attention to college. Um, Michael Sam, when I first heard about him, which of course was him coming out being openly gay. Uh, while he was still at the University of Missouri. Um, At first, I was kind of like, well, I felt the same way when Jason Collins, uh, former NBA player, came out as an openly gay athlete. And the reason why I felt that way was because anyone who knows basketball knows that, not to say anything bad about Jason Collins, that he wasn't the greatest player, and he was kind of a journeyman, um, which for those who don't know what that means, is kind of a person who has played for a decent amount of teams. And it kind of felt like a, a I'm going to come out and be openly gay. Not to say that he wasn't gay, but I think it was kind of more of a ploy to revamp his career and maybe get a couple more, you know, just to kind of bring a little more spotlight to himself, which it did. Um, he was on the cover of, of a couple magazines for that, you know, in the news for quite a while. And it was actually um, I want to say like six months after the whole thing, I watched an interview that he had when he was on. I want to say he was on the Brooklyn Nets. And they interviewed him and that was they're still talking about like, has it changed your life any? And it's it's one of those things that unfortunately it's once you bring it up, it's gonna be talked about. And I'm glad that Michael Sam came out. Um, because I feel like, you know, I, I'm I'm I support gay rights. I personally believe that you should do whatever you wanna do, and I'm glad that he felt comfortable enough to say, Hey, you know, this is who I am, accept me for who I am and I appreciate that. But if he was not a good player <laughs> I would have definitely been like way less supportive of this, but Michael Sam is actually a great player. The reason why he was cut from the St. Louis Rams uh, defense was because for those who don't know or don't follow sports um, closely, uh, Michael Sam is a defensive end and St. Louis actually is projected and did have a very good one last year to have one of the best defensive lines in football. So even though Michael Sam is a very good player, when you're a very good player, but there's also five other guys at the same position that are very good, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, break into the team. So, I mean, personally, he's it's not to say that he won't play because Michael Sam will be on an NFL team this year. He may not be starting necessarily. Does he have starting potential? I believe so on the right team. Um, he's a very good player. Like I said, he's a very good defensive lineman. It's just St. Louis already has a very good defensive line. So even though he's a great player, even as a rookie, he would have still been like the fifth best pass rusher on St. Louis's team. So that's the reason why he was cut. Um, it has nothing to do with him being gay. I 100% believe that Michael Sam will be on an NFL team this year without a doubt because rev- whatever his sexual orientation is, he's still a great player. Um, so that's, that's really how I feel about it. I personally think that I understand why St. Louis cut him just because of, you know, obviously, like I have been repeating before, that they have a great defensive line. But I do believe that he will end up on an NFL team, probably in a starting position. Yeah, and 
I, I don't know a lot about football, but I do know that, you know, that what you said is true. The Rams are really, tr- do really have a good defensive line. And whether, what, no matter what your sexual orientation, if you're not good enough to be on a team, you're not good enough to be on a team. And that's not saying that he's a bad player. It's just when you're on a team that has such a good defensive line, you, rookie, first year coming out, you know, your chances of, of being good enough to compete with those people that have been there for three, four years, you know, they're a lot lower. And, and so it doesn't mean he's a bad player. It doesn't mean he won't be in the NFL. I definitely think a team will pick him up and I think he will do good. And maybe one day he'll end up coming back to the Rams. It, it just depends, you know? So, um, this, this next story is going to get kind of probably a, a little weird. Um, it's, it, another vampire movie um, basically was hinting towards Blade. So rumor has it that Wesley Snipes is going to reprise his role as Blade. Blade originally came out in 1998, and I thought it was a fantastic movie. I loved it. I loved Blade too, and I actually still kind of liked Blade Trinity. I know a lot of people didn't. Uh, A TV show came after Blade Trinity, and and I never watched it, but it had horrible reviews. I heard that it was not a good TV show. Do I think that this is a that this story is legit? No. Um, reasons why number one reason is the last Blade movie, Blade Trinity, came out in two thousand four. It's been 10 years, and it would be another two years to film the movie, and rarely, rarely, rarely do they make a sequel that far after a movie, especially when the last one was not that popular. The only TV or movie that has came out with a sequel or a prequel more than a decade after the last one that they made and has done well that I can think of off the top of my head is Star Wars. And they're going to do it again, and they're going to do great. But they have the name of Star Wars behind their movie. Not to say that Blade's not good, and, and then all the comic book movies that have been coming out lately will really would really help. But I don't think that they should make it a sequel. I think that if they're going to do anything, they should reboot it. Could Wesley Snipes be in the reboot? Yes. Should he be Blade? Probably not, because it's a reboot. You need to kind of start fresh, not have the same character from, or same person playing the character from the original movie. Now, if they do make a reboot, we run into another issue, and the issue is that Warner Brothers, I believe it's Warner Brothers that owns um, the rights to blade let me double check well the character the character rights actually marvel yeah, owns those yeah and and uh, warner brothers it's a production of from warner right, brothers they own, on the they own they own the character but warner brother or but marvel owns the story the comic the storyline so the problem with making a blade movie through wb is that it cannot have anything to do with the story from the comic books because marvel still owns that um about 15 20 years ago marvel was struggling they were not doing well and they had no money and they needed money so they started selling off some of their properties they sold the character of blade to wb they sold the character of Daredevil to, I believe it was WB as well. They sold Spider-Man to Fox, and they sold X-Men to Fox. Do they regret that decision now? Probably a little bit, because they're doing so good right now. Every movie they make hits it out of the park. Is it detrimental to their business plan? No, they're doing fine without it. But it causes a problem for a movie like Blade, where if you make a Blade movie, it cannot follow the comic book storyline. Now, I've heard people say before, well, why don't they just do a collaboration between Marvel Studios, a.k.a. Disney, and Warner Brothers? It will not work. You've got two studios splitting the cost of making a movie that, if done right, is going to cost you probably $200 million. Then they have to market it and all this and all that, and they have to split all that cost. And then 
it goes to the box office. If it makes a decent amount of money, five, six hundred million dollars worldwide, each studio gets three hundred million dollars. That's not going to cover costs. It's not going to work. That's why you don't see a lot of collaborations between two different production studios. It's just not something that that happens. It's not business savvy, and most of the time, those studios don't necessarily get along. They might not be enemies, but why would WB ask Marvel to help them make a movie when they can make the movie on their own and make twice as much money off of it? You know, so. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll try to keep you guys updated, but I don't think that it's going to happen. If it does happen, I'll go watch it, and I hope it'll be a good movie. Will it be a good movie? I wouldn't I wouldn't bet money on it. Here, here's, here's my whole spiel with the, uh, the Blade thing, and it's not going to be a long spiel or anything. Um, personally, I like the Blade movies. Um, I always kind of thought that, and just to be honest, you know, I'm African American. There aren't really too many African American like comic book characters. Black Panther. So, well, Black Panther, of course. You know, <laughs> and of course the original Green Lantern. Um, which I, which so that's probably why I liked Blade the most. Uh, and also the idea of a vampire killing other vampires was awesome. Um, but I personally don't think that you're correct. I think you're correct with the whole. Um, it's been how long it's been since they made the last Blade. Um, so I would be surprised to see it actually being put into production, just considering how long it's going to take for them to produce it. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, I think they should make it because I know Wesley broke. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, well, he just got out <laughs> I of mean, prison. You know? That's what I'm saying. That's why when you were like, you know, Wesley Snipes is going to, uh, is supposedly making another blade. I'm like, he got out of jail. Like, I was kind of <laughs> like, wow. Like, you know, he's, well, I thought he was still locked up, but, um. That's nice. I mean, I'm glad, hey, you know, I'm proud, I'm proud of you. Um, once again, people, don't don't do don't pay your taxes. Right. Unfortunately, pay, pay, pay this taxes. is a, this is a plug from the federal government. <laughs> pay your taxes because in this country, unfortunately, you can get away with murder, but you never hear of anyone getting away with tax evasion. Right. So, when April 15 rolls around, make sure you pay that money <laughs> if you owe it. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the thing. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I'm happy that Wesley Snipes is out of jail and is back to being in movies. Uh, apparently, you can catch him in The Expendables 3, for those who are wondering. Um, he's already back in another movie. I'm happy. I personally always liked Wesley Snipes, you know, regardless of his federal activities. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, you know, you got to... Every, everybody makes mistakes. Right, right. You know what would be interesting? If they rebooted Blade and... They they could keep Wesley Snipes, but instead of having him play Blade, have him play Whistler, which is Blade's like confidant, teacher, chaperone kind of guy. The the old oh, kind of like a kind of like a Batman the Robin. Type no, he's thing? like the like, older guy that like no 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 no, no how like how like, like helped to develop the serum so that he wouldn't need blood and things like that. He well, essentially in the new Batman movie, Robin becomes Batman. That's true. That's, that's kinda true. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Like you know the whole like. You know, Blade becomes the teacher while he's training the next Blade. Right, right, basically. Yeah, that that would be interesting, and I think that would work, and that would give it a fresh storyline that would still get Wesley in there so he can earn some money and, and hopefully – Keep getting them checks, pay, Wes. Pay the taxes on those checks. And uh, and, and I think it could, it could start a new Blade series for, you know, everybody that, that wants one and, and people that don't want one that would give it a shot, you know. Um, okay, so this next deal, um, T Swift, you know, making the headlines again with her, with her new song, shake it off. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I need if Taylor Swift, if you hear this podcast, call me. <laughs> My number is two, eight, one, three, three, oh, eight, zero, zero, four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hit me up on the low. Um, I don't care what any somebody said before you even get into the topic. I want Taylor Swift. Um, as a friend, I think that having Taylor Swift as a friend, cause I just, and the reason why is because I, I enjoy music. I'm a very, I'm a big music head and I just, I have to know her writing process. Yeah. And you know, she, like I have to she, find out about she's that. She's one like, of the I've few people that, you know, writes her own music. Like, 
if yeah. you look up her songs, if you Wikipedia them or what have you, almost every – actually, every, I think every single song that she's ever put out has been written by her, at least in part. And I, I think that's really cool. A lot of people are, are kind of hesitant about this album. Uh, it's getting ready to drop, I believe, in October. And it's not going to be a country album, which is what's kind of freaking people out. It's going to be a pop album. I didn't think the song was that bad. It's actually kind of catchy. It'll get stuck in your head if you listen to it. Um, and I, I think it's cool. I, I think she, you know, she did the country thing for a while, and now she's ready to, to branch off and try something new, try something different. And I think that's really cool. If you listen to the song, um, the first, like the the, op- the couple opening lines are talking about how haters have been talking about how she's she's always in a relationship with somebody or somebody else or you know and and how she's always complaining about what's wrong with that person and whatever and, and she's saying she's going to shake off all those comments and i i think that's really cool yes i was possibly one of the people that may have slightly said something at one point in time in my life about taylor swift always writing her songs about a breakup but she's she's writing a song now about how people are gonna talk bad about you no matter what you do and no matter who you are someone's not gonna like you someone's gonna hate on you and she's writing a song talking about shaking it off getting back up and and living your life you know not letting those people get you down and i think that's a good message for uh, everybody that's all the people that are going to listen to Taylor Swift's music, you know, a lot of her fan base are younger girls, high school girls. And, and I think that's something that they may need to hear that just because no. someone doesn't like you, just because they talk bad about you doesn't mean that you're, you're not above that, that you can't stand up, get back up and, and keep living life and not just let them keep beating you down. You know? So I, I think, I think it's a good message. And I think I'm going to hit you with this. I'm going to hit you with this knowledge here. If I have yet to hear the song, and I probably won't listen to it. I'm not a country guy, it's, um, it's even pop, though it is a pop, pop song. Even though it is a pop song. Well, well, I'm glad I said that because my first question is, or not question, but more or less statement, is I never thought Taylor Swift was all that country. Like, I always kind of felt like when I listened to some of her songs, she was always kind of poppy. Like, I never, it was like a yeah, country I never, pop hybrid type deal. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I kind of understood that her bass style was country but i i always kind of felt like taylor swift kind of fell into more of a pop area but that's just me but that's because i don't listen to a lot of taylor swift unless it's on the radio but i don't listen to the radio anymore so but also if anyone else wrote a song about shaking it off for haters and not anyone else because there are obviously other artists i could say this about as well i would probably feel a lot better and i appreciate the message behind it as you described it you know to you know, especially because a lot of girls, you know, obviously kind of I don't want to say idolize, but probably look up to her a little bit and pay attention to her music. And, you know, unf- like the thing you have to pay attention to when you are a musical artist or any type of person who has a voice in the media is what you're saying to your fan base, because some people take things more literal than mm-hmm. others. So when you're speaking to a bunch of teenage girls who go through a lot of changes in their teenage, you know, adolescent years. Um, you definitely have to be careful on what you say. And I, and I kind of like the fact that she's taking a road to give them a positive message of to, you know, whatever you're going through, you know, whoever's, you know, necessarily hating on you or, you know, picking on you or, you know, telling you you're not what, you know, you are, you know, as far as like, you know, throwing shame on you that you should just shake it off and keep going, keep it pushing and, you know, live your life. And I appreciate that. The problem is (laughs) that I have, it's because Taylor Swift wrote this. And I don't like when you say you're shaking haters off, especially since one of the most common things that I guess what she would probably consider haters say is that she writes all her songs about her breakups. Taylor, you've been with a lot of guys. Yeah. but Now, now still, call, no, no, but like, call me still. But <laughs> like, I'm not tripping off of it, but you've been with a lot of guys. You've been through a lot of public breakups. And it's kind of been a repetitive thing of you writing songs that seem very close to, you know, being about that person you broke up with. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is that, unfortunately, 
as much as I would like to say, yeah, you know, this or that, you're writing songs about your breakups. Like, we know that that's what they're about. Like, don't say the idea came to you randomly because you just broke up with the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, it's just it's it's one of those situations where she's a teenage girl. And she's writing about what happens in her life. And 90 percent of what happens in a teenage girl's life is breaking up with dudes because, I mean, let's you know, let's be real. When 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 you date someone in in high school, at least when when we were in high school, it was, it was hold on, not, hold on. I have, a, I have a correction on what you huh? just said. She's not a teenage girl. This girl is 24. Well, now, She's older than now, us. Now <laughs> she is. But when most of, when she wrote most of those songs, she was a teenage girl, and that was kind of what was happening in her life. And she's still a young I mean, a young I woman, guess. and so I mean maybe she's finally starting to grow out of that, and that's why she she wrote a song, her first single on her new album, isn't about breaking up with somebody. We'll see, you know. But it's probably about an ex boyfriend who t- who tweeted at her, crazy, <laughs> and shaking that hater <laughs> off. That's probably what it's about. It's probably low key about a breakup. She just figured out how to mask it a you little better. You might not be wrong. You might not be. I don't think I'm right. That's why I said we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I may or may not have some inside information. Okay, Okay, so this next story, um, it's really it's really cool. It's really interesting. There is an ex Apple employee. Uh, He he worked in Canada and he was a uh, Apple expert or an Apple specialist, excuse me. And his name was Sam Sung. And he no longer works for Apple, but his business cards said Samsung, uh, Samsung Apple specialist. So he worked for Apple. His name was Samsung. That is poetic justice, if you will. That is hilarious, and it's super funny. And I just, it, it can't get better than that. They. I'm going to explain to the public. John is an Apple hater. No, I, I do not even necessarily hate Apple. I, I, just, I take that back. He dislikes their I product. Do not, I'm not a big Apple fan. I'm not one of the fanboys. I don't jump on the bandwagon for Apple. Samsung, on the other hand, well, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Samsung fanboy most of the time. I really like all of their products, even their bulldozers. I really enjoy Samsung bulldozers. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you know that. Uh, they make they make all, I'm glad they make all kinds of stuff, man. They make air conditioners and everything. Well, I, I mean, that's one thing a lot of these people don't. A lot of people in the world don't know is that a lot of these places that make a certain product make more than what you think they make. They just are. They probably move more of that product. Well, the, I, I don't know. know that their bulldozers or their air conditioners are sold in the United States. Uh, that as well. I think. I think. They, I think they sell the air conditioners in Europe, but I think the the construction equipment that they manufacture is strictly in Korea. But I, I don't know for sure on that. I'd have to check. But anyway, so this guy, he, he stopped working there, and uh, he decided that he was going to sell his business cards on eBay and that he was going to donate the money to charity. And uh, somewhere... In, in the midst of all the bids, fake bids inflated the price to like $80,000. And we all know that's not what what it was going to actually sell for. But it actually ended up selling for $2,653. And that's crazy. And he donated it to the Children's Wish Foundation, which was pretty awesome. And I, I think it was <laughs> – I think it would be pretty cool to actually have an official business card that says – samsung apple specialist because you know when you i I worked at i worked at a local phone store for a couple years and we had a lot of people that would come in and be like can i get that new samsung galaxy iphone and uh this just kind of speaks the truth the truth to it they would they would love to talk to the the samsung apple expert you know but uh it, it was funny it was nice it was fun and and he he had a lot of fun with it and and apple had a lot of fun with it and i i think it was good publicity kind of for everybody involved and and so it, it was a really cool situation and charity got some money out of it so that was cool um I feel like when I hear the name Samsung and works at Apple, I feel like this is like a 
like a cheesy spy movie, like infiltration scheme. Right, or an episode of like American Dad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, something really cheesy. Like, you know, welcome to Apple, you know, I heard you're our new hire. What's your name? Sam. Sung. Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's like a really, like a really cheesy, like, just name. Um, not to, you know, throw shade on the dude's name. Uh, much respect for the dope name. I personally would rock the name Samsung. Um, cause I have a Samsung. So right. Samsung with a Samsung, I have a Samsung TV. So I would be balling. I would probably put a big Samsung logo on my car too. Welcome um, to the Apple store. My name's Sung. Sam Sung. <laughs> I mean, basically, I, I mean, James Bond going on over there. I just appreciate that he took what, you know, I believe he, I, I appreciate the fact that he took what was, you know, useless business cards lying around, you know, kind of popularized them just, you know, because I mean, his name, it's just his name. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like he chose this name or he switched his name. It's just his name. And it just happens to be an ironic thing that a guy named Samsung works at Apple. And I like the fact that he turned that into a charity, charitable thing when he was no longer working at yeah. Apple. I, like I wonder that. if we'll see the next uh, the next Galaxy commercial have Samsung in it. <laughs> no, 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 not uh, at all. Or, 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 I wonder if we'll see the next Apple commercial have Samsung in it. That would be kind of interesting to see. I don't know the terms nah. of why he left the Apple store, so I don't know if they were good or bad or, or what have you, but that would be kind of funny to see. I, I don't think they'll do it, but it would just be funny. Um so our our next story and is actually going to be our last story. We're we're uh, running through our time pretty quick here. Um, in California, uh, a lot of my family actually lives in California, so I, I try to keep up with what's going on in California a lot because you know my family's there. Um, the the governor Jerry Brown signed a law recently uh, that made it to where smartphones in California have to come with a kill switch or an anti-theft device that users can activate if their phone gets stolen. I think this is really cool. Uh, according to the National Consumers League, like 1.6 million Americans had a handheld device stolen in 2012, and that number is exceedingly low to probably the actual number because half the people that got their phone stolen probably didn't even actually uh, turn it into the police or anything like that. As I said, I worked at a local phone store and at least two out of every five people that brought their or that came in and said their phone got stolen or lost, they thought they lost it, it might have been stolen. They did not report it. They didn't because what's the point in reporting something that you're not going to get back? It's not the chances of, of the police finding your actual phone are very low. If they do find it, it's going to be evidence for the case, blah, 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 yada, yada. By the time you get it back, it's going to be so obsolete. You're already going to have another phone and probably another phone after the phone that you've got to replace the one that got stolen. So the turning in your phone or uh, reporting your phone is stolen is, is not – high on people's list when it gets stolen they just really want their information back and they're worried about their privacy they don't want whoever stole their phone having access to all of their information and that's the purpose of this law it's so that you can basically erase your phone if the phone is stolen now most smartphones or apps already ha- you can download an app on the phone that will serve as this function but there are some issues if the phone's dead and things like that, then that you can't wipe it. Now, this kill switch anti-theft device is supposed to be able to wipe it even if the phone is dead. We'll see how that's going to work and how they're going to do that. There must be some kind of reserve battery that allows it to do that. And that'll that'll be interesting. Now, the you you can, as a user, opt out of the kill switch program you don't have to do it but the phone will prompt you during setup to set up the anti-theft feature now will the manufacturers of smartphones just go ahead and throw this into their default operating system and spread it nationwide most likely they will yes it'll be cheaper for them to just throw it in there on top with the 87 other apps that they pre-install on the phone and ship it out to everybody versus trying to pick these are the 8 million phones that are going to california we need to have this special 
app on there for it. So uh, when you get your next version of your Galaxy phone, your Note 4, your iPhone 6, whatever you have, uh, plan to see a new anti-theft kill switch built into your phone. You can't opt out of it. It's not necessarily a bad idea as long as it works the way it's supposed to. It would be really unfortunate, though, if it just erased all of your stuff without you actually wanting it to. That would kind of stink. So we'll see how it goes. I uh, I personally think that um, I think it's a great idea. Um, I feel I feel like I feel like it would be something that I would use um, when I get my new phone. Um, I feel like that would be definitely something I would probably opt into just because it doesn't really affect you unless you lose your phone. Um, it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's one of those things like it, for those people who keep a lot of music on their phone, if you don't have a memory card and your phone like crashes on you or something, you just lost all your music. So it's one of those things that you don't really think about it until something goes wrong. So, you know, I feel like, for the majority of people, I feel like you should turn it on. Just use it. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to affect you until you need it. You know what I mean? It's not like there's going to be something in your notifications bar or every like hour or every day or every 30 days is going to say like, you know, something about your kill switch. Like, no, it's just a feature that's there to protect you should your phone get stolen. I personally, yeah, and I've, I personally have never had a phone stolen. Um, but I mean, you know, at the same time, that's, you know, I, I, I think it's one of those things that phones are so expensive these days um, to have a nice one. So I feel like, you know, you have to protect yourself, you know, as much as you can. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where I think a lot of people do things on their phone that they don't necessarily think about at first. Like, oh, I'm going to buy this on Amazon on my phone real quick. Your credit card information is somewhere in your phone. Um, it's secure, but that doesn't mean that no one can access it. It just means that the masses can't access it. Uh, you know, and people have people do online banking on their phones. They do this and do that. And it's the same with like buying stuff. That doesn't mean that your information's free for anybody to see, but it is there somewhere. And this switch is going to make it to where if somebody that has the knowledge and has the capability to find out that information so that it will stop them from accessing it and it will save you because identity theft is really bad right now and it takes a long time to get it fixed so uh, it, it's it's just being on the safe side and, and that's a good thing i mean it's better to be safe than sorry especially when it comes to something like that um okay so we we better go ahead and wrap this show up um if you have any questions that you would like to ask us or have us answer on the show, feel free to email us at talkishshow at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash talkishshow, uh, and Twitter at talkishshow. If you would like to subscribe to our podcast, there will be a link down below. And until next time. 